What's going on, everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I want to welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. And this episode is going to be no different. Stick around, and we're going to get started right now. Well, I'm excited to be back for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, I'm Glenn P. Brooks Jr., and I'm excited about this edition of the story behind the brand. Over the last number of weeks, we've been talking to different entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders who have amazing stories that I believe give you insight to how they move as a brand, how they move as a business, and how they provide excellent service. In a blog post on HuffPost.com, contributing writer, writer Flynn Coleman asks this question. He says, why are stories so powerful? Well, the truth of the matter is that they are more memorable than facts. Our brains are actually wired to respond to stories. Metaphors and anecdotes actually help us to relate ideas to our own personal experiences while providing richness and texture. Quite frankly, stories bring you and your listeners into a multidimensional world full of colors, sights, smells, emotions, making us feel as though we are actually living the story. As we are talking today on this edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast live on Clubhouse. Uh, I've been on Clubhouse now for a little more than a year. And when I first came on this app, I met our next guest. And uh, the way she moves really made me pay attention. I don't know if you guys meet people from time to time who they move just a little bit different and it's a it's attractive. Right. And and then they suck you into their vortex and you can't leave. Well, this person has that effect on people. Her name's Jessie Gary. She's a food and event business coach. Uh, she teaches people how to get their back into their systems, particularly in that industry uh, of food and event, hospitality, that sort of stuff uh, worked out so that they can communicate, show up a lot more consistently. Um, she has a, an amazing backstory. Uh, I'm going to let her tell it. Uh, but Jesse, thank you so much for saying yes to joining me today on We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am really excited about us having this conversation. I know whenever we talk, we aim to do like 15 minutes, but it ended up turning into an hour. So <laughs> I'm excited to see how this goes. I love it. I love it. Jesse, um, I remember seeing a post that you did a while back. And as much as you talk to people, sometimes depending on the nature of the conversation, maybe what you're talking about or or the, the, the context, you, you just don't know certain things, right? It's not that they, they're hiding it. They just, it just didn't come up. And I found out that, um, that you were absolute, you, you've modeled for some of the top agencies um, in the fashion industry, and, and that's how you got sort of your start into the hospitality uh, world that you're in now. Uh, but if you could take us back, I, I'm really intrigued about how does your story inform your brand? Take us back to Jesse, the little girl. Where'd you grow up, siblings, relationship with your parents, and how did that upbringing sort of inform your today? Yeah, so I actually am born and raised in Washington, D.C., like actually in D.C. Um, by Howard University, so I am a true Washingtonian. Um, growing up, I learned how to cook from my father. He went. My parents met at Howard University, and one of the jobs that my father did was, um, and he became a chef. And so I 
the first dishes that I learned were actually French cuisine <laughs> growing up. And as soon as I became um, tall enough, they would allow for me to cook in the kitchen. So growing up, my family always tried to push me more into cooking and culinary. So I was actually accepted into different programs um, throughout my education. I actually had received a full ride to the Culinary Institute of America, as well as Johnson and Wells. Um, I decided that learning the craft isn't the hardest part. Learning the business is what causes most food businesses to fail. Um, when I was given the opportunity to go to either one of those schools, I had also received an opportunity to get a scholarship to go to Penn State University for the hospitality program. So I decided to go to Penn State. I graduated in 2003. And at that point in time, I knew that I wanted to really learn business, but I knew that I also wanted to do something in hospitality. And so as I was in, in Pennsylvania, I never thought to model, to be very honest. I came from a family of educators. My mom was an educator. Um, everyone that was in my media family, they taught in some kind of capacity. So it didn't really... Like, I never grew up thinking like, oh, I'm pretty. I want, like, I never thought any of that. That wasn't even a focus. It was about being smart. Um, so I was one of those people that loved to just learn, to read. I was pushing myself um, on the education front. But my mom, she loved Lane Bryant. Uh, and she loved and she really believed in me a lot, to be very honest, um, and saw things in me that I really never saw in myself. And so she had mentioned to me about a contest for Lane Bryant to be a model, win a modeling campaign. I was like, no, like I'm working on, like, I really thought I was going to work in corporate America, work my way up. I'm like, I don't want to do anything that's not that because this is what I want to do. And I still, I listened to her and I took on the opportunity to apply to several contests and I did not win. But during that process, I met a photographer that did some photos for me to submit. She actually then said to me, you really should go downtown to Philadelphia. There's this agency there. I think that they actually would hire you. I was hesitant because it was outside of my comfort zone. Um, like I mentioned, I was just like, I was very focused on education, not more or less on the fashion or any of that kind of stuff. And to be very honest, I'm not very girly. Um, yes, I, I look girly when I dress up, but on a day to day, that's not my normal. So I ended up taking a chance and I went to this agency in downtown Philadelphia and I ended up walking in with no experience outside of applying for those contests uh, and the photos that that one photographer took. And I ended up leaving out of that actual audition with five bookings. And I was like, okay. They were like, you're a natural. I'm like, um, okay. And it sounds scamish, but actually they were one of the top agencies in Philadelphia. And that started my journey. Um, and for me, I always did modeling just because that was something that my mom believed in, to, believed in me to do. Um, not because it defined me, but she just thought that people could resonate. And so during my journey in plus size modeling, I, I used it as an opportunity for representation because one, especially I, I, most people don't know that I'm 40. <laughs> so back when I was growing up, you really didn't see women of color. Um, being represented in the fashion world. And you definitely didn't see um, plus size women being represented in the fashion world. So 
that's what started me on that journey. But how it transitioned into hospitality is that over those years, I, I did things within Runway. I also worked on QVC for about 10 years. And I had all of these connections. Um, and I decided that during pretty much around 10 years ago, I was working the corporate America route and I found myself stuck. I was reading this book by um, Chris Gardner, the gentleman that the whole um, Pursuit of Happiness um, movie is about. And he has this book called Starting Where You Are. Um, and I remember I was reading this book at my very last um, like review, year review with my boss. Um, and I was just in this position where I had to be very clear and honest with myself do I really want to keep going this route? I was on a fast track within my company. They were offering me opportunities and positions, um, but I, I just didn't feel motivated. And at that interview, my boss said, how can we continue to keep you motivated? What do we need to do? Which essentially was like, they were going to give me a raise or do something. <laughs> um, and I just was like, you know what? If I had to be honest, and please don't take this disrespectfully, the only thing, I look at the money that you make and everyone above you make, but I don't want to trade the lives that you have. And she was like, Jesse, you can't say things like that. I'm like, but I think that's the most honest answer I can give you. I'm like, because you sacrifice, you sacrifice so much for this job, which interferes with your family. I'm not sure if I'm ready to make that sacrifice. At that moment, my mom was going through her first battle with breast cancer the position that I was being offered was for um, doing imports and trades. So I was going to get a promotion. and But they told me before I got to that promotion that there are going to be moments that I might have to work late with, or there might be schedule changes, which didn't work when I was assisting my mom. So I decided to not take advantage of that opportunity. And it just kind of opened my eyes that I did not want to have to sacrifice that to have success. So when I left corporate America, I was working pretty much part-time, I'm not part-time, full-time with modeling. And I left there and I said, I, I just want to do something that's going to make me happy. Like, I just didn't like the place that I had gotten it within um, where I worked. And I just wanted to do something that made me happy. And I set out <laughs> to do fundraisers or clothing drives for Dress for Success organization. My goal was to only host five events for uh, Dress for Success to just do something that felt good, <laughs> like no intentions at all. This was back in 2011. Um, and so, an associate at that time, I was like, I'm trying to figure out places I can do this. And she was like, well, I think sometimes apartments will allow you to have people get together or something like that. Like that was legit what she said to me. And it just said, hmm. And, you know, one of the things I'm very grateful for is being present to God, putting those little sprinkles where like you're having to be present to those things, like being present to the little nudge that the my mom gave me to apply for that, uh, you know, to apply for that contest, being uh, present to the nudge that the photographer give, had given me, being present to, you know, that opportunity to start reaching out to apartments. I had no clue what was going to happen, but I had to just have faith that it was going to be something. And um, I set out to do those five events. And then what happened, like fast, fast forward, what, nine years now, uh, the five events 
turned into doing over a thousand something events um, within my company. And it's been a journey, but do, throughout this whole journey, each part of my process has helped me to be where I am today. Wow, Jesse. Listen, I'm writing like a crazy man over here. And for those of you guys who are just tuning into the podcast, well, need some help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, so we're recording this live uh, here on Clubhouse. And my friend Jesse Gary has just unpacked a ton of stuff for us. Let me let me just say this, Jesse. One of the things that's always intrigued me about people who lean into their purpose is how their values sort of drove that, whether they knew it or not. Can we go back just a little bit and talk about how your values led to your why? Because for you to sit and tell someone in corporate America what you said, the way you said it, most people are not going to have the courage to say that. I know I <laughs> I've had those kinds of moments and I took the money. <laughs> and so so I, I, I want to know um, for you, how does that look? Were you even aware that your values was driving that? And if not, at what point did you become and do you think that's important? You know, that's a really great question. I don't think at that. Well, I think I was at a crossroads at that specific moment. I don't I don't believe that I was very present to how pivotal that was. I was working heavy on myself. Um, I was reading a ton. I mean, my father growing up used to always take me to libraries. So like I, reading was something I was really big into. But at that specific season of my life, I was just reading to find and find something. Um, I knew that if I stayed on that path, um, at that point I, I was what, 25, I was 25 years old, 26 years old. And I was struggling. I was like, how, I like, <laughs> when I, I sat down and was thinking, no, I was actually 29 at this point, And I was like, how am I going to make it to retirement? Like that's, that was my mindset. Like I have 30 more years of this to go. And it's different if you're in corporate America and you love what you do and you can look at like, okay, this is making a difference. I was in chemical sales for Dow Chemical. I loved the people that I, not all of them, but I loved all the, you know, for the most part, all the people that I worked with. Um, but I just couldn't see myself wanting to go down that path. I remember my, um, one of my bosses, like second level up, uh, his mom passed away. He was from Istanbul. He was still taking calls, like around the 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 funeral ceremonies and stuff. But I'm just like, that's not normal. I mean, it might be normal for some people, but to me, that was like, that's not normal. Why do people? I remember people still calling him, even though he was out of the country to mourn his mom, and he thought it was okay. And I saw that a lot of upper management they didn't have boundaries. And it was like, if I'm going to be sacrificing my boundaries, I'd rather be able to do that for myself, um, not based off of, you know, doing it in that structure. So that was where I was at. But one of the things is that with my old manager, who actually still worked very cool, um, she watches all of my Insta stories. We connect and check in and spend, you know, over 10 years that I've worked with her. She's retired from the company. And at that moment, um, she knew that honesty, and I think that that was something I cherished with that relationship, was that she needed to know. Um, and when I told her that, at that point, we really started to talk about what that looked like. 
So when I decided to leave, I actually gave like a couple of months notice so that I could train people to get a replacement. And then what happened and worked out in my favor because I did not, and granted, this is where I think God protects me in a lot of situations because this may not be everyone's experience, but I gave them a couple of months to be able to, that I was going to leave so I can train my replacement. It took them a long time. Um, Actually, it turned into me being a contractor, so I didn't even have to work in their office. So even though I was no longer technically an employee, I was still getting paid up to a year afterwards so I could use some extra money. So I started my company. So what gave me the courage was that I knew that she needed to know because I did not know where all of this was leading, but I didn't want to burn the bridge. And I didn't, I felt like not handling it a certain way was a reflection of me. And I, that was something that I did not want to put her in the position or the people that were above her that I really did respect. So I think that that was the most respectful thing I could have done. Yeah, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Here's what I want to do. Um, for those of you guys who may be just tuning in to this particular podcast episode, um, Jesse has been able to translate the soft skills skills uh, to uh, a, what I believe is a very unique way that she approaches the hospitality industry. And if you're listening to this podcast, I, I really believe that you need to lean in over these next few minutes. Jesse, the pivots that you make, the sacrifices, uh, the boundaries that you kept, the success that it, it, it lent to, uh, the service uh, that you provide, which led to opportunities, not burning bridges, that whole relationship mindset. Can you talk to uh, our audience a little bit about how those things sort of informed your next? So now as a business owner and business leader, I'm sure all of those things are in play in your business. Talk to us about how they translate and how have you been able to make those adjustments with all those relationships? Oh yeah, like I am grateful for everything I learned when I used to work for the comp- that corporation um, because it really helped me with understanding sales because I was in a sales role position. I had territories um, in the US as well as um, several other countries. And so I learned that it was grit and I knew it was about numbers, where I find that especially in the hospitality um, industry, when I'm sometimes coaching um, chefs and event planners, they just wanted to be some type of brochure that people click and then they pay. And then, and essentially they don't like to feel like they're being treated like the help, but they're treating themselves like the help, which is like a whole thing to unpack. But I learned that through sales is about relationships, especially for long-term relationships. If you are able to build relationships, what happens is that if something doesn't happen right, which is possible even with a great company, mistakes occur. But if you are not building a relationship because you're too busy or you don't take the effort to actually create that bond and connection, what happens is then now it's going to be aggravated because there's no rapport. So one thing that I had to learn in um, with the company I used to work with was that People will forgive you if they actually know you and they like you. So I brought that into my event company because I have people that I've been working with for seven years. 
And there's been times where a ball or two may have been dropped. So that has been able to like revive the relationships. It's even given me referrals because people know what to expect within having business with me. Um, Also, when it comes to being able to um, market, I've been able to actually learn that you have to understand your customer. It's very customer driven. Um, and that's something that's very, very, very important in um, the hospitality world because at times, because there's the the food networks of the world, which is great. Everyone wants to be Guy Ferrari and everyone wants to be Rachel Ray. I get that. But also these people are marketing to a customer. So I think what's really important too in our industry is understanding who are you wanting to serve? Just like how you have us all introduce ourselves and who and why, it's important for you to apply that within your own business because that helps you of understanding how to market. It's not just showing food. And it's also understanding the food that your target market wants to see. Like in our industry right now, there's this joke going around saying that people have salmon in the chokehold because all they're doing is showing salmon in, in these videos. And it's like, but the thing about it is that everyone's target market doesn't want to see high gravy sauce, tar- um, salmon and mac and cheese. They're clients that actually want more healthier options or they're wanting a more of an experience when you're doing food. But if you're not understanding your target market, what happens is that you're talking to someone and you're not getting what you want in return. So in the corporate world, it helped me of understanding that I needed to have structure. Like we have processes. When so-and-so needed this, you needed to send this to this person. So I was able to see how a multi-billion dollar company was able to operate in different countries because everyone's not doing their own thing. Everyone's following a structure. So that helped me when I was growing my business to knowing that I didn't, one, want it to be a one-man show. I have absolutely no desire to do most of the things that go in my business on a daily basis at this moment. i rather look for people so that I can outsource it or at least have a strategy so when I have additional income that I can then hire someone to do that on. This is where within my industry, I think it's very important to have a strategy. If you're like, okay, right now I can't afford to get my own event space, but I know it's going to cost this amount to get the space. It's going to cost this amount to get my actual licenses. Like that way you can start putting money to the side so that you're getting these things in place instead of just going ahead and doing it without having any clear strategy. So I think with, with, the biggest gap, the biggest um, bridge that has occurred for me was understanding that there's things to learn in corporate America, and I, there are things that I used in my corporate career that helped me with growing my event business. I hope that answered your question. Oh my God! So I've got three pages of notes here, and I don't have the time to unpack them. We're gonna absolutely have to have you come back. Jesse, no, you more than answered my question. I was going to go into asking you some of the biggest mistakes that the entrepreneurs in your space make, um, but I think you really unpacked it. I want to lean into one thing that you said that you've said in different ways over and over again. I'd like to close out here, but when it comes to structure, when it comes to strategy, would you say that most entrepreneurs uh, don't get the kind of traction 
that they need because of a lack of strategy? And if so, how, how do they overcome that? Because I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're so busy working in the business that we don't think about that. It's last minute. It's always, oh my God. And, and, and that's why we're good at sort of, you know, turning on a dime or, or making the adjustment. But can you speak to just a little bit about the, the, the importance of having a strategy to whatever it is that you're doing or how you're trying to grow your business? Yeah, I, uh, yes, it is a big issue because in my industry, it's very much skill focused. So even if someone goes to one of the top culinary programs in the United States or the world, they're going to learn how to do amazing things in the kitchen. They may be taught how to do things in a restaurant, but everyone that's going into these programs are not actually doing it because they want to work in a restaurant. It's great to learn those things, but for real, a lot of people are going out there into the world and they're creating their own businesses after they're getting these certifications. So they're not understanding business or strategies. They're just amazing cooks out here under pricing or out here without any structure. Um, and what happens is that they're burning themselves out. So I think with strategy, that is what really has the industry especially people of color is hurting us is because we're not in the conversations or knowing the conversations around having a business successfully in the hospitality industry. Um, so you have people that don't really have websites and if they have websites, it's not good. Um, you know, like even when the whole thing about cash out came coming out, most of the chefs I was seeing them talk, I'm like, y'all are using cash out for plates? Like, why is that even a thing in 2021? Like, why not at least square, you know, or some kind of platform? So I think the biggest issue with strategy is one, knowing that there's something is that's wrong because there are a lot of people in our industry that are doing things incorrectly or not favorably. I don't want to say incorrectly, not favorably. So we know people that are selling things out of their house or they're not doing things legit. So it becomes that, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. You just work hard, but they're not learning. How do I duplicate myself? How do I actually avoid burnout? How do I actually make money, you know, so that I can retire? I don't know many people in the food industry that actually retire, which is crazy to think about because they're working so hard or I've had it that they're working so hard and then they're ending up in the hospital because they're burning out because they haven't thought about how to duplicate themselves. So they're doing, they're doing everything and in a fear of they're not going to do it right. But the reason why they feel that way is because they never wrote out something as simple as recipes. So even if you have someone that's that's able to help you, you're still having to do it all because you haven't done the basics just so that you can have someone duplicate you in the kitchen. So it is a huge, huge, huge issue that happens in our industry. And that's why even on my social platform, I'm having to do this dance of saying things in a way that it can hopefully spark something that something isn't right. Because if I'm saying, oh, we need to have systems or you know, what are your KPIs? They don't know what KPIs are, unfortunately. And they, unless in their previous jobs or something like that has come up, most of them don't know those terms. So it's like 
we're so used to things not working that if I'm talking about how to make it work, I have to do it in a way that it actually makes sense that, hmm, I shouldn't just be having all my systems manual. Like there are a lot of people that are just doing Excel spreadsheets. I'm like, what? Like how, like that has to be stressful, but they don't know better. So that is really what keeps, especially our people in this industry from charging what we deserve to make um, and actually making what we deserve. No, I absolutely love it. I wrote down self-awareness is the key or is a key to growth. If I don't know it's broken, then I don't know to fix it. And I certainly won't know uh, how to go about it. Jesse, let me say this. Uh, I got to have you back. Let me just say that on the front end, because there's so much that I wanted to talk to you about today. But I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out and pulling up uh, for this edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. One thing that you'd like the listeners to walk away with, one thing, if, if they don't remember a thing about what you've said, what is one thing that you'd like them to walk away with? Never stop learning. Continue to learn. Continue to be inquisitive. Don't ever stay in the place of I know it all because that is going to suffocate your business. I absolutely love it. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Jesse Gary, again, on another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast, here's what we know to be true, guys. You can't get to any place of significance by yourself. And the reason, it's because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll see you guys on the next edition. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, Be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.